Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic, and this week we have so much stuff we need to rush. We talk about another trip to Andorra and visit the breathtaking Chateau de Foix. And there are bed bugs in Paris. There's also a new museum in Brussels. And we have a best before date follow up. But wait, there's more. More new legislation in France. No, really. Let's go with chapter 86. Before we get going, I just want to take a very quick second to thank the French government for, <laughs> on a weekly basis, <laughs> providing us with a, uh, a, a plethora of high-quality content, uh, free comedy <laughs> for the podcast. Once again, they did not disappoint. No, it's new regulation because there's always new regulation um, so this one has to do with the baguette. Of course, because you know what? We got <laughs> we got the war in the Ukraine. Okay, we've got a global uh, environmental crisis, but let's change the rules on how to make a baguette. That's important. But but wait. So they're trying to make the baguette healthier. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, wait just a second, w- folks. Wait till you hear this. So cur- wait. Till you hear this one. So currently, the legal limit for a baguette is 1.5 grams of salt per 100 grams. Okay. And under this new legislation, it is now 1.4 grams of salt you per 100 grams. You heard this correctly. <laughs> this has probably been in committee for years well, Big groups of people having a major discussion as to the difference between 1.5 grams and 1.4 and grams 1.4 per and 100 grams. Per 100. So the thing is, they're trying to limit salt because salt has been associated with health issues, hypertension. Oh, oh okay. Guess who's got hypertension <laughs> yeah, well, over this ridiculous yeah. <laughs> waste of time and taxpayer money? Me. Well, but so... You might not know this, but, you know, over time, since 2015, so before we got here, there has been a constant lowering of the salt to bake the baguette. Um, And, you know, French eat the baguette breakfast, lunch, dinner, so do we. Um, And so it's important to note that even a small change might improve someone's health. So the National Confederation of Bakers, there is such a thing, said that they will conduct tests throughout to make sure that within France, the bakers are ensuring that the salt limits are respected. Okay, can we put this behind us and focus on some important things? But but you should know also that bread, so baguettes or bread, uh, contributes to about 20% of the average French person's salt intake. It's a lot. Yeah, but but here's the thing. You know, uh, this is nanny state times a, a billion here. You know, like, if you don't want, don't eat it. If you don't want it, don't eat it. You know, it's your. it should be your choice as to what you do, pretty much. I mean, I understand, you know, you want to regulate fast foods. But there you go. There you go. You want to regulate something. Why don't you start regulating some of the fast food burgers that you're now allowing into this country and that kind of thing, as opposed to a simple little baguette. And you've got now the bakers are going to have to go and change their recipes because there are only three. OK, there are only three ingredients in a baguette. It's yeast, salt 
And what the hell else? Water? I don't know. What is it? I, I it's three ingredients yeah. in the thing. Well, anyway, the WHO, so the World uh. Health Organization, has supported this movement and is encouraging other countries to legislate the salt that is put into their bread. Anyway, thank you, government of France, for free comedy. <laughs> thank you, government of France, for uh, amazing content contributions to our podcast. Because, honestly, uh, we, we just couldn't do it without you. We just couldn't do it without you. Okay, calm down. <sighs> oh. Okay, tranquille, tranquille. All right, so there's another um, uh, legislation that came into effect yeah, on, let's, let's, in October. Let's get these all out of the way first. Yeah. Well, this one, okay, this one we are kind of familiar with. Um, they are um, uh, requiring people who have disagreements with their neighbors. Oh, oh yes, you've got my interest. To uh, counsel with uh, a concilier. So it's kind of like a mediator, but the concilier is provided by the commune and it's free of charge. The goal there is to unite the two parties so they can discuss their their issue and hopefully resolve it out of the court system. It's a brilliant idea. And you know, we've uh, we you know we have this problem with the uh, with the, the solar business, the solar farm, and we try yeah. to get a meeting with the owner of the field through the, through this process through, through this process so that we could have a discussion to make him aware of the impact that this would have on on the, the property owners on the north side of the of the valley, um, and uh, he chose to um, refuse to meet with us. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, t- that will go into our file that we tried. We tried to talk to this guy. And he refused. And he refused. So uh, for us, if this goes to court, um, we've got a document that states that a judge can rule on, you know, our situation. And, and you know, I mean, it, uh, th- for that reason, I think it's, it's valid. But now we need to see the court react accordingly okay that's mm-hmm. what we're kind of looking for here right. but anyway yeah yeah it's a good rule and and uh th- so this to me is is a better a better regulation than you know point one percent of salt in a baguette i mean because this Zero one, yeah. uh, whatever because this is uh you know re- will be reflective of how busy the court system ends up getting or unbusy you know because that's the whole goal here is to try and mitigate uh, yeah, get these resolved mm-hmm. before it goes to the tribunal. Right. Yeah. Well, that is uh, that is good news, and and that's effective. Uh, I think it was October first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to. But see, here's what I don't understand: if they're regulating that people uh, get together through the mediator, wh- you know what? Uh, what if someone doesn't? As in this case, they've just said, "Oh no, I'm not." So, no. so I think what happens in that point is our side tried yeah. to. To go through the process properly, communicate properly, mm-hmm. like grown-ups and mature citizens, and and this person didn't want to have the discussion. So it's already, I think, it's not in his favor at this point. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see how that plays out. We'll keep you updated on our situation there. But I have really good news. I mean, this is just outstanding news, and I I was so excited about it last week that. I made a point of promoting that we were going to talk about it this week, and uh, so so here we go. It's it's a brand new museum. It's and you a, love museums. Well, 
I know you're being sarcastic. Well, you avoided one yesterday. I did because I, I know that was okay. That was a the, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to I it. I know, but with the fake no, 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 sound no, no, effects no, no, and the no. whole holy. Anyway, what museum is this, Jeff? 1966. What? This is. <laughs> are you ready for it? God love the people in Belgium. That's all I can say because. As of September 9th, 2023, you can now go to Brussels in Belgium and take in the International Beer Museum. Yes! So, wow. One of Brussels' emblematic buildings, the Palais de la Bourse, is now home to the Belgian beer world. It's a museum dedicated to beer. It's in the heart of the city, it's a stone's throw from the Grand Place, which is one of the most incredible buildings in the capital. They they underwent a massive, uh, massive renovation, which started hmm. uh, in August of 2020. Oh, wow. And it completed a couple Saturdays ago with the, the long-awaited opening of this big Belgian beer world. Now, see, beer. Now, that, that, my friends, is a museum. Well— if, I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna see seven thousand dark paintings of fat three-headed babies, and <laughs> half men, half goats with spears through their heads, go to the Louvre. Go to the Louvre. But if you wanna, you know, if you wanna go to see something meaningful, it's the International Beer Museum in Brussels. Okay. Okay. Oh, look. Oh, look. Wait. It's a headless woman giving birth to a frog in a pond while sitting backwards on a donkey. <laughs> Welcome to the Louvre. Okay. So, so are, is this pictures of beer? No. Well, I no. Listen, this is huge because not only do you have this beautiful stately building, three floors worth of... Uh, I, I guess you could say examples of beer, how the beer was made. But are you ready for this? On the top floor, you have an open rooftop terrace, which has a 360-degree panoramic view where you can sample one of 1,300 different beers what? of the world. Oh, so of the world? Of the world. So so they are not just promoting no. Beers from Belgium. No, 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 They're no. They're promoting no. beers from. But I mean, Belgium's going to be a big part of it because they have all the Abbey beers. You know, your your Afflegum, your Leff, your Grimbergen, all of these amazing beers. And I'm sure they'll be well represented at the Grand Place in the Palais de Justice. Yeah. What? A, how, how about that? The Palais de Justice, and that's where the beer museum of the world will be. Do we think that Bud Light's not going to make it? Oh, it'll probably. You know what? I think that'll be in the basement. Oh. <laughs> but light. <laughs> well, uh, that's very exciting, Jeff. Uh, that gives you a reason to travel to Belgium. Yes. Well, you know what? They're expecting almost 500,000 visitors a year. That's incredible. To see all these beers. Huh. Oh, it's remarkable. I can't wait. This building was built like way back in the 1800s. And it's it's got some Renaissance. It's got some Second Empire stylings to it. It's just gorgeous. If you want to check it out, you can uh, go to the official. There's an official website hmm. of Belgian Beer World, and you can see the picture of this gorgeous building, which they've been renovating for some three years. I'm, I can't. You know what? I would go to Belgium just to see the International Beer Museum. Okay. Yeah. All absolutely. Right.
Count sounds, me in. Sounds good. Congratulations. Well done. And uh, there's one more reason to avoid the Louvre. Okay. The Louvre is gorgeous. Oh, it's fantastic. You just don't have patience. Jeez. It's just too much <sighs> to see at oh, once. Oh, look, there's and... a unicorn. <sighs> anyway. Having a pee on a giant gorilla. Okay, fine. You know what? Uh, moving on, we just got back from our little séjour to Andorra. Yeah. We make this trip. I think it'll be a once a year. Oh, do you now? Trip. Oh, do you now? <laughs> well, well, it's it's a, it's a good place to go shopping, and you know, shopping in our area is pretty limited. Yeah. So you know, we we go to Andorra. It's full of life. The you know, we we stayed in in central uh, Andorra Vella. Instead of staying in in Soldu, Sol, yeah, we were in Soldu last time because I didn't want to stay in the city, and it was kind of it's it's in the ski hill area there. But you know what? We thought we're going to shop. Let's just let's just forget about driving all over the place to get and then parking and the whole all that stress. So yeah, we found this very cool. What was it called? The Stark Stark some, yeah something? from Pierre Vacations, and and it's right. It's so central. It's right by the, that, that Andorra sign. By the way, I, I will have multiple photos of Andorra and all the other uh, destinations on representing on this on this podcast, which you'll be able to find on our Facebook page at Jeff and Julie Move to France. Yeah. This is a, you know, it's a four-star, but it was really well-priced, well-located. Um, you know, they have a, a nice little terrace on the outside. I'll tell you something they don't have. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if that was that? a bit of a problem. Should I do that now, or do you sure. want to? Sure. No, because no, no. you were right in the middle of telling all the no, nice no, things. No, yeah, no. Let's balance it. Let go ahead. The, what was the? Yeah. What was the? What four star hotel do you know of that doesn't have a coffee maker in the room? I don't know. Many. How about the Stark? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was so weird because. The restaurant for breakfast opens at 7.30. We're up early, and we, we're usually chucking back our coffee by 6 o'clock, 6 6 o'clock. 6.30. I, I can't sit around for 90 minutes waiting for a coffee. I'll take someone's life. <laughs> so, you know, so I asked the—I said, is it just our room? Or, no, we don't have them. I go, you got to be kidding me. So uh, she said, well, you know, maybe you can go, go down while they're getting the, coffee, the breakfast ready. And I said, well, okay, I guess so. So I, you know, I did hoof it down there both days and brought, brought back, back some coffee. Thank you. Room. That was very sweet of you. Uh, yeah. But at the end, when I'm checking out, I said, I got to tell you, we're, yeah. we're, we're coming back. We'll, we'll come back for sure. She got to get a coffee maker in the rooms. Yeah. And she goes, well, yeah, it's not the first time. Yeah, you know, we've heard that. But, you know, when when I reacted to the fact that there wasn't an, a coffee maker in the room, the woman at the front desk told me, "But but there's a jacuzzi." Yeah, and I'm going, "What does that have to do yeah. with a coffee maker?" That's like maker? saying, "Hey, my car, uh, my my muffler's broken." <laughs> well, yeah, but you have an engine. And and who wants a jacuzzi anyway? That's just people soup. Oh, it's people soup. I can't even. I can't go near a jacuzzi. I looked at it and go, "Well, there's a classic waste of space." <laughs> oh. Anyway. Getting back to the really good stuff, there was so much energy, so many people walking around, and so many little puppy dogs. And we noticed, I think the reason we we noticed uh, this is that we live in an area where the average age is 325 years old. (laughs) It's really quiet. 
We noticed kids in strollers and either parents or grandparents. I mean, honestly, there were as many strollers as dogs. Mm-hmm. So the energy and the and just natural kind of life energy right. was really prevalent. And uh, I just I that wasn't right. missed on us. We really yeah, really it, noticed it felt it. really good. I, yeah. I felt invigorated. We both we both noted today that we feel a little bit more you know. Yeah. Lively, yeah. and we got our fix. We we got our shopping fix, our retail therapy. Well, that's more of a you fix. I mean, uh, I, I oh, bought oh, I bought some. A couple, oh. I bought a couple of cigars. Oh, no, no, no. Your sin things. You brought them back. You did well with your your sin things. Okay. So the the thing about Andorra, it's between France and Spain. It's a little principality, and it's a tax haven. So yeah. you're not paying outrageous taxation on products. Give you an example of, of one of the two or three cigars that I bought. Oh, hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's uh, for those of you who understand cigars, it's a Robusto, and uh, let's just call it a, a Robusto, that in Canada would sell for, I'm going to say right now, this this particular stick of cigar is selling for 16 or 17 or maybe $20. Okay. Per stick. So like 12 euros. Yeah, the equivalent of 12 uh, or 13 right. euros. Yes. I'm getting these, a couple that I bought, I'm getting them for a couple th- hundred. three bucks a stick, mm-hmm. three euros a stick. I mean, it's just dramatic. So. Yeah. And you also found, so the, the thing also is in our region, we can't find things. It's just not the same kind of Yeah, like we can't shopping. find bourbon for when we have company, because I don't drink it. But when we have company... <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of friends who drink the bourbon. So, you know, I obviously I have to have a stocked bar for that. So anyway, uh, I picked up some bourbon. <laughs> yes. And, boom. And, and so it was interesting because when you picked up your bottle of bourbon, uh, right. you noticed that it was, oh, look, it's about the same price as when we can find it in our region. Right. But then you noticed something very interesting. Yes. The bottle was bigger. It was yeah. a thousand CLs and not. It was a liter. Yeah, and not 70 CLs. So for the same price, you were getting an mm-hmm. additional 30 CLs. That's right. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact is that you just can't find those items close by. No, that's that's one fact. And then the other one is the, is the price. And gas also. Oh, like, yeah. So, so gas was a full 25% less than here, where yes. we are now. Yes, and, and from what I know, gas has a cap on it here. Like the 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 business or finance minister has you know put a limit on what, which is two bucks a liter and, and two two euros. So you know what it, it there's good value and it was just fun milling about going into stores, seeing you know what's new and 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 you know talking to the they're just lovely there too. They speak so many languages. Well, here's the thing. It was really funny because uh, we were we were out for. Uh, uh, we were out for food on on the one night, and the waiter said, "Okay," and he he said, "Point to what you want on the menu." So I pointed that, and he goes, "Okay, now I have to translate English to Spanish, and then when I go to the kitchen, I got to translate from Spanish to Catalonian." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a it's it's beautiful. It's in the mountains. We we, we enjoy it. It's it's very easy to travel from France to Andorra. You know, we go to the we get to the border because Andorra is not part of the EU, 
So you have to go through a, a border crossing, and the guy just sees our French license plates. I mean, we've got our passports ready, but no, nope, name nope, name. Nope, just, just just wave us through. Go ahead, go spend your money. <laughs> yep, and that's what they want. So it was a very good trip, and and as Julie mentioned, it's right in the Pyrenees. It's absolutely breathtaking. So you know, if we have to go every year, I guess we have to go every year. It's about a four-hour uh, haul for us from here. Yeah, and eh, we no do it with a, a few little breaks. Yeah, and uh, on our way back. Um, we decided that we would try to see something in the in the Midi-Pyrénées area of France. Yeah, because uh, our day trips from here are typically, you know, an hour to 90 minutes max. Mm-hmm. So this was an opportunity to see something that's farther afield. Right. So we went to the village of Foix, F-O-I-X, which is in the Ariège region. And um, it th- their main attraction in that village is this magnificent chateau, which some parts of it date back a thousand years. It was really remarkable. And when we were there, there was a little uh, tour of some Spanish kids. They were having a ball, climbing up all the steps <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, at this time of year, it's not so much tourists, but it's a, you know schools taking advantage of these historic sites, uh, historical sites. Um, and so, you know, we... we Parked our car, and this was really smart. And this is good advice if you're going to Chateau de Foix. Park your car below. In in a busy town. Holy crap, was that town busy. It was really busy. You know, and I I thought to myself, this must be a highly populated village because there was so much activity and traffic. And no, the number of inhabitants, uh, under 10,000. Because I can't even imagine this place in the middle of July or August. If, yeah. I mean, if it was busy and tough finding parking mm-hmm. uh, the other day. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in August or... Ugh, and then having to go up to the chateau in August mm-hmm. with all these pe- people so and the heat. You, you need to know that you you have to wear comfortable um, shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Preferably sneakers because the, you need to walk up to the chateau, which is 60 meters. Yeah, but that's the least of your worries. If you want to climb oh. the turrets, there are two <laughs> turrets. My calves are screaming today. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, it, we got our exercise in. You have to be in fairly good shape to be able to, you know, go up to the top of, of those turrets. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it used to be the counts that used to live there. Eventually they decided they didn't want to live there because it was too hard to get to. So remember when we were checking out, there was another castle that was on a lower level. Plus, plus the nearest Best Buy was miles away. <laughs> um, and this chateau, like many medieval, st- uh, chateaus, um, were, um, protections for the Cathars. What is a Cathar? A Cathar, they were deemed as heretics. Oh. They, uh... Um, Are they Romans? <laughs> they challenged the authority of the Catholic Church mm. in the 12th century. And so there was this huge crusade to kill them all. Oh. And, and yeah, this the crusade, it's a really hard... Not a lot of middle ground back then, eh? You're no. either in or you're dead. No, and it, this is initiated, the crusade is initiated by a pope, like Pope Innocent III. Oh, yeah, really innocent. And he burned these people to the stake. Um, it's That's not very Christian of him. Not not at all. It was called the Albigensian Crusade. And the, the scholars say that between 200,000 and a million uh, Cathars were burned or oh. killed. God. In that time, and they they are no longer 
uh, around. So this castle was part of this whole crusade. Ew. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I just say something nice? Yeah, please. Uh, while we were there, there was a guy, and he was in a little booth. Well, I mean, it was made to look authentic, and it really did. Mm-hmm. And he was a forger. Like, he was... No, no. Not, not, not forgery. A, no, not forgery. But forging. He was forging. He was forging. Like, he was making metal and arrowheads and yeah. filing and making them sharp. And... Yeah. Well, they had people dressed up yeah. in medieval times. Yeah. And, you know, they, the kids that were there from the school were listening to the different, you know, experts talking about mm-hmm. the history of the chateau, the, the catapults, the... The building machines, the you know mm-hmm. h- how the whole thing came together, the reinforcement. I mean, it was very. It would have been really challenging to attack that chateau. No kidding. Yeah, and so we climbed to the top. We were able to dodge the kids and pick our moments and 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 saw everything we needed to see. They said, uh, "Give yourself four hours." For, no, I'm not giving myself four hours for anything except the drive. So we're there. 30, 45 minutes, you know, did the Chevy chase. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Pictures gone. And uh, we Griswold it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, it was just perfect because it was the part of a very long day. But I'm really glad we saw it because it's, and it, it's, it's a classic looking yeah, castle. Like from the fairy tales yeah. of medieval times. You got to like, check out the Facebook page on this. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we had, we had a lot of, a lot of fun there. Yeah, we really did. Uh, and it, so if you're in the so this is the Pyrenees part Midi, of France. Midi Pyrenees. Midi Pyrenees. Like exactly between uh the Atlantic and the Mediterranean. Yeah. Check it out. Uh the village is called Foix and this is the Chateau de Foix. Now this. Time now for another Paris 2024 Olympic update. Have a little time on your hands there, Jeff. <laughs> thought, Fancy intro. Uh, well, I, I just thought you know it was. It's really it's it's elegant. It it, it speaks to uh, a brand new feature that we're going to be uh, probably inserting into the show quite a few number of times between now and uh, the Olympics. So why Les not? Jeux Olympiques. Why not? You know, a little uh, a little grandstanding. You know, a little. There you go. Okay. Well. Well done. So now we're talking bed bugs. Oh, that's not... Yeah, that's the update. Paris, uh, unfortunately, has seen a huge uptick (laughs) 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 in in its uh, number of bedbugs, and they're everywhere. Okay, I'm not... We're not going on a day trip there. So, you know, let me just say, where they've been... Like, people are photographing them on trains, on buses, on metros, in cinemas... In hotel rooms, it's it's a massive, massive problem, and I mean, Paris is not the only place in the world that ha- is having issues because people have started traveling again because the, the there are laws now on how you can treat these kinds of inf- infestations. Um, they're just multiplying. So yeah, it's See, uh, they they used to have this under control because they just blasted the hell out of them with high level, high intensity pesticides, yeah. which are illegal now. And yeah. now yeah, now you got this. Yeah. So unfortunately, the, the you know I think that um, news 
uh, outlets are really kind of glamming onto this because they love to talk about what's wrong with Paris right before the Olympics mm-hmm. for some reason. Oh, yeah. You know, so CNN or some of the American news outlets will will promote this and talk about the, the the problem. But this is in New York. This is in Toronto. This is in India. Like all across the world, there there's a bed bug problem. In France, one in ten households have had to uh, fumigate. Fumigate. Aye. One in ten. So yeah, you, you, and these little these little buggers, they suck the blood out of you. They they can travel on your luggage. They are they're they're just uh, you know uh, a, a very invasive and can cause rashes, bites. Uh, it very uncomfortable. And uh, un- unfortunately, it, it is a problem. I think France is now uh, doing an emergency. Well, here's the thing. Cons- they're, they're doing an emergency committee yeah. to try to figure out how to well, if resolve did, this. If they'd have spent more time on the bed bugs and less time on a tenth of a percent or whatever of, of salt in a baguette, maybe they'd have had this thing licked. Anyway. Well, I think it's a different committee. Yeah, whatever. But they just they're using government uh, resources for silly things here. Now it's time to get to, uh, busy on important stuff as we get set for the Olympics, and let's hope they have this thing under control by you know next year. Right. So at last week we were talking about our punaise problem. They're not bed bugs. They're just no. outdoor punaises. They're just a. You know, but bed pests. bugs in French are called punaise de lit. Oh yeah, the lit being the bed. Okay. Right. So that brings me to the French phrase of the day. Oh. Bugs. Mm-hmm. Bed, bed bugs. Bed bugs in particular? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Here, oh, let me, let me, because yep. I know you've printed one up. Very kind of you. Thank yep. you. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> no, no, okay. No. Okay. Uh, dors bien serré, ne laisse pas les punaises de lit te piquer. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, Oh, sleeping in the afternoon? Uh, uh, having a good afternoon sleep? No. <laughs> mm, dors bien serré. serré. I know, door is sleep. Yes. Good. Yes. Serré is, isn't that like Buena Serra? Well, I know it's Spanish, but I'm kind of trilingual here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, serré is tight. Oh, okay. No, last part, we'll leave, uh, we'll not leave... Uh, the punaise uh, on on the bed to pick. <laughs> so close. And nailed it. <laughs> um, okay, so it's sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Okay. Like, now, like I said. So, dors bien serré, sleep tight. Ne laisse pas les punaises te piquer. Piquer is to bite. bite you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I was curious, where does that come from? Yeah. Sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite, right? Like, we but, say but, that all the time. Yeah, but all those things back then were just cruel and witch-like. They're full of sorcerers back then Well, came up with this crap, make, make kids all scared. So, apparently, beds didn't have coil springs back in the 1700s uh-huh. when this is supposed to have been said. Uh-huh. So, instead, you had a, a, a wooden frame with rope. yeah. That you had to tighten in order to have a solid mattress. Okay. So it's sleep tight. Ah. So tighten the ma- the the the, uh-huh. the ropes, and the mattress was usually made out of corn husks, down feathers, 
straw. Ugh. Well, back in the day, they didn't have like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes that would be, you know, good housing for bed bugs. Ugh. So that's where the saying comes from, according to lore. Yeah. Sleep, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. Alors, dors bien serré, ne laisse pas les punaises te piquer. The French phrase of the day. Thank you, Julie. Uh, so before we go, I want to uh, just thank uh, one of our listeners, Darlene Nanny who uh, sent us a really interesting note on last week's podcast. Oh, yeah. So here's what she said. Uh, so enjoy and look forward to your podcasts, and your many pictures of the various areas are so beautiful. Your recent podcast about food due dates was hilarious. I can certainly empathize with Julie, LOL. Don't know if you're aware of Canada's latest recent discussions about best before food dates. I tried to post the link from the CBC website, but alas, Facebook doesn't allow that any longer. Thanks for all the chuckles, guys. Merci. So I, I said, thank you very much, Darlene. I'll look it up myself. And holy cow, do I ever have some information that you might find interesting, Julie? Well, share, pray tell. Okay. Canadians and Julie's misunderstanding of best before dates could be contributing to excess food waste and in turn food insecurity, experts say, as a government committee urges Ottawa to examine the issue. A report on grocery affordability from a House of Commons committee on agriculture and agri-food includes calls for Canada to do away with best before dates. Hear, hear due to the widespread misconception that they indicate whether a product is safe to consume. Now listen, mm -hmm. e experts say mm -hmm. all they indicate is when the product is past its peak freshness. See my peanut butter from a, a while ago? Would have been fine. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. It's... Hey, Chatty Cathy, mm -hmm. uh, you, you've had a good run here. Let, <laughs> let, me, let me do this, okay? Canada's grocery business doesn't have enough competition and shoppers are paying the price scam as i said last week scam there's a lot of confusion around what food labels mean and this is from kate perizzo and and she should know do you want to know why because she's a professor at the university of guelph and she studies food waste mm -hmm. so but there's a difference best buy versus yeah. consume buy yeah no no there's a difference between best buy and expiry yes she goes on to say a lot of people think that best before dates are expiry dates when there are actually very few products in canada very few products in canada okay that have a proper expiry date generally the only foods with an expiry date are those that have a specific nutritional requirement that could degrade over time like baby formula okay or or meat but, or dairy products. But best before dates, on the other hand, are required on foods that are expected to go bad within 90 days. But the, but the manufacturers and processors, they just slap these stickers on all these products. There's no person saying, oh, there's a, you know, th this is going to be bad by this date. So, and, and then there's this other lady, Lori Nickel, and she's from uh, Second Harvest Canada. Quoted in the government report as saying best before dates encourage people to throw out perfectly good food. Scam. It's a scam, as I said before, and there it is in black and white. And thank you very much, Darlene Nanny, for helping me, even though you sympathize with Julie, but helping me mm -hmm. to make my point. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling you, really good. You know good. the yogurt that you ate this morning? Yeah. It expired a month ago. Perfect. It tasted wonderful, and it passed the smell test, which is, well, I'm not feeling very good right now. <laughs> I think I have to go. 
okay. Yeah. No, it's fine. Of course it's fine because it's a big joke to tell people to go and throw out all this food. You know what? You should be happy with yourself because not only have you thrown out a lot of good food, you've contributed to world hunger. That's what you've done. You happy? Throwing out the peanut butter. World hunger. Next week on Chapter 87, we will have another Paris 2024 Olympic update for you. And the number of Americans who are moving to Europe is going up. Where are they moving to? We'll tell you on Chapter 87 of Jeff and Julie Move to France During a Global Pandemic. Au revoir. Bye.